was good. That's it? Good? I enjoyed it. When you told me I was going to be losing my virginity, I didn't think you meant showing the Raiders the Lost Ark for the first time. My apologies. I chose my words poorly. I should have said you were about to have your world rocked on my couch. <laughs> anyway, thank you for watching it. It's one of my all-time favorites. It was very entertaining, despite the glaring story problem. <laughs> story problem? You, oh, <laughs> Amy. <laughs> what a dewy-eyed mooncalf you are. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark is the love child of Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, two of the most gifted filmmakers of our generation. I've watched it 36 times, except for the snake scene and the face-melting scene, which I can only watch when it's still light out. <laughs> I defy you to find a story problem. Here's my jaw. Drop it. All right. Indiana Jones plays no role in the outcome of the story. Like if he weren't in the film, it would turn out exactly the same. Oh, I see your confusion. You don't understand. Indiana Jones was the one in the hat with the whip. <laughs> No, I do. And if he weren't in the movie, the Nazis would have still found the Ark, taken it to the island, opened it up, and all died. Just like they did. <laughs> Let me close that for you. Episode 25. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushover. Pop culture. Leftover. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. All right. Um, hey, I, we appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us this week. We were going to record Sunday night. Some things came up. We couldn't do it, but uh, we're really glad that you're joining us now. Um, how was everybody's week? Not not fun. I know, I know, I know man. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode. Yeah, but yeah, sure it's all right. I'm happy to be here tonight, so that's cool, dude. That's what all I care about. I'm glad that everybody's here and we're able to talk tonight. I, I didn't know if we'd even get an episode out this week, so I'm I'm pleased as punch that we're we're doing this because I really didn't think we were going to record this week, and then like I don't know, a part of me just felt like I lost, like I lost a part of myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're here for you, Brian. Yeah, and not the John Wayne Bobbitt part of myself. I need that. <laughs> Everything else, fuck it. Everything else, fuck it. Yeah, dude, I'd, <laughs> I'd rather lose an arm or a leg or something, man. Jeez. Oh, uh, let's see here. Um, well, we are going to talk about Walking Dead a little bit later, but I, I wanted to talk about some news and things like that This, uh, you know, so far that happened this week. Uh, we'll save a little bit of that Walking Dead talk for close to the end of the episode. And if we have enough time, we'll talk a little bit about New York Comic Con, some of the things that happened there. Uh, it was an interesting con. It was a great con for comic books. 
Um, the people that aren't comic book fans are probably like bored, but you know, those of us who are comic book fans, I think it was a great New York Comic Con, especially Marvel. Yeah, it seemed like there was a lot of news just from, I haven't been able to really get in depth on it, but yeah, it seemed like there was a lot of stuff popping up every day from that. So especially for Marvel, I didn't see much DC, but you guys might have picked something up. There's a little bit here and there. Uh, I'll go over it if we have time and. And, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of companies had a lot of cool news. Valiant had a big voice at the, uh, at the con. So very cool. Um, I did want to talk a little bit. Pacific Rim hit DVD and Blu-ray uh, yesterday. We're recording this on a Wednesday. This should be up by hopefully tonight or tomorrow. But uh, Pacific Rim hit DVD and Blu-ray yesterday. We did a Pacific Rim podcast a while back, so make sure to check uh, that out. You know, rent the movie, red box it, or, or buy it. And then come back and listen to our Pacific Rim podcast. And I don't know if you guys saw this. You know, I mean, despite pulling in, it was 400 million worldwide that Pacific Rim did. I mean, here in the States, it did 100 million. But internationally, globally, it pulled in 400 million. So 300 million came from like other countries. I know it did really well in China. I think China alone was 100 million, I think. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate, though, that they have not yet still greenlit a sequel for this movie i don't care how well it did here in the u.s i mean it's it's obvious that this movie did well internationally and that should that should garner a sequel in my opinion yeah it should be a shoo-in at this point i mean the the sales are there people saw it i don't yeah i don't understand what the holdup would be there's it was no- just a damn beginning, you know, it was like a beginning of anything. Uh, you know, maybe you expected more out of it, but it was a, you know, it was the first part of something that he had a bigger picture for. So, yeah, bring it on. I don't see why not. I, yeah, I can't wait to watch it at home a few more times. Yeah. I'm excited it came out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the that's like a that's like a really cool uh Blu-ray um I mean, if they have really cool, if they have really cool Blu-ray special features, this would be the Blu-ray to do it on. Um, I remember, like when Transformers came out with their, uh, what was it? They came out with their uh, Transformers came out on HD DVD, and I had an HD DVD player back in the day, and uh, and then I, I have it on Blu-ray. But like, there was like a second screen where like where you could see like the health statuses of the Autobots and Decepticons. Huh. And you could see ge- geographically where they were in the world at, wow. the, at the time the entire movie's going on. So even though they might not be in sight, you could still see their health bars and shit like that. I mean, they could do something badass with Pacific Rim like that. Oh, yeah. Make it really even more interactive than that. But that's, right. that's really cool that they did that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people bag on the first Transformers movie. And, and I mean, it did, it wasn't, it, it was better than the other ones. I'll give you that. I'll give it that much. I mean, I can, yeah. I can relate to a teenage Shia LaBeouf more than I can relate to him, you know, later on, like dating this model and all this other <laughs> shit. But I mean, the, the, he was a geeky, kind of awkward teenager. And I could relate with that. And, and, uh, uh, you know, it was cool seeing them transform for the first time and stuff like that. I don't know why I'm talking about Transformers right now, but I am. So fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking about Pacific Rim. But anyway, listen to our Pacific Rim podcast. It was fucking fun. It was a fun movie to watch and review. So check out that podcast. And then um, I also wanted to let you guys know that it doesn't matter that the movie has not been greenlit, greenlit yet. Guillermo del Toro and Travis Beecham are still moving forward and they are writing the sequel. 
Awesome. And that's great news. So that is great news. I mean, even if I think even if a movie doesn't get made, we might get to see like a graphic novel or something. So they did do the graphic. Travis Beecham did write the prequel comic. Okay. Uh, so that is out there. So I'm hoping that this does get greenlit and they go ahead with Pacific Rim 2. Yeah, there's and, so much story to be told there. It's it's pretty exciting what what they could do with what they already have and yeah. he's such a he's a good storyteller. I think I think he's proven that to me at least. So Absolutely. Yeah, I I hope he still directs too. I mean, cuz he is one of the best visionary directors out there these days. I think yes. he's the only one that will direct a sequel. I, I mean, this is his project. This is his baby, and uh, yeah. I don't see anybody else doing this. They just need to call the next movie Rim Job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be brought up. Somebody's going to have to put a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it was uh, it was like Sunday. I just wanted to throw this little story in there. I was reading comics. It was like 8.30 in the morning. I was so fucking I, – I wasn't totally wide awake yet. I was kind of tired. And there was like really small lettering in the book that I was reading. And I did that thing that you do with your smartphones with your fingers to enlarge the pick on my comic book. <laughs> that's how, <laughs> that's how crazy this technology is now, man. It's like, I'm thinking I can do it with everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's crazy just to even think back five, 10 years ago and what, what we have now, you know? Yeah, totally. I, I remember like, I just, off the subject, but like MapQuest, I remember printing out the MapQuest instructions to go somewhere just less than 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No GPS. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now you got GPS. It'll tell you everywhere to go. I like turn left, turn right, whatever. And if you want your GPS to talk like Homer Simpson, you can fucking have it talk like Homer Simpson. <laughs> Dude, they had yeah. a, they had a Knight Rider GPS come out a few years ago. Oh, that's awesome. I don't yeah, know if fun. it was a uh, dude from, uh, you know, Mr. Finney from, uh, Boy Meets World, if he was the same voice that hit the car. But yeah, I mean, they had a Knight Rider GPS. Nice. Yeah. I um, want an Alfred GPS. Ooh. I want a Jarvis GPS. Jarvis would be cool too. Yeah. Uh, if you guys uh, were a big fan of Breaking Bad, I know you are, Jay. Yes. Uh, you're not alone, and probably one of the biggest fans of this series is truly one of the greatest actors of our time. Anthony Hopkins recently binge-watched all five seasons of the show, and he loved the show and the actors involved so much that he felt compelled to send an email to his agent to send to Brian Cranston's agent at midnight in his home in Malibu about yeah. what a terrific show it was and said, quote, the best acting I have ever seen Ever. Wow. <laughs> what an honor wow. that has to be. The, the oh, wow. entire letter is online. If you do a search for it, you can find it. And if you've never seen an episode, it's still an amazing read. Uh, just You can really just kind of tell the admiration that Anthony Hopkins has for this show. It, I read the entire letter, and I was just kind of blown away that Anthony Hopkins took the time to do this. At midnight. <laughs> and, I mean, I'd love to hear what Brian Cranston's reaction to that is. I'm sure it'll be out there, like, uh, in the interweb somewhere, or, like, on an interview or something. But, man, that's pretty fucking cool. I really like that of Anthony Hopkins. It's like you hear so many bad stories from some of these celebrities that it's really cool to see that another celebrity reached out to Brian Cranston, who was, like, the dad on Malcolm in the Middle, and, like, <laughs> who, like, who, like, took his acting to another fucking level with this, you know, Breaking Bad show. And uh, he got noticed not by just fans. Uh, he got noticed by Anthony fucking Hopkins. Yeah. It's a pretty big deal, you know, and it's I think it's well-deserved. He's 
he's he's just enthralling to watch that show mainly mainly because of him but you know also because the writing's so good but he's so he's so subtle and he's so good he's he's just one of those actors you'll you'll never forget like one of the actors of our time that we'll always remember you know yeah, I am. Um, I, I that's one of those shows that I still haven't. I've seen the first episode of Breaking Bad. It's something I still have to, uh, um, you know, get back into, and I'm going to. But I know when I start it, I'm not going to tell anybody because I, I hate it when I, like you tell somebody you're starting something, and they're like, "Oh, wait until you get to this episode," and then they fucking spoil it for you. Hey, Brian, did you get to this part yet? Did you no, get to that I part yet. No, I didn't, asshole. Now you fucked it up for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. You know what the twist on that episode was? That you fucked it up for me. <laughs> what a twist. Yeah, what a twist. Thanks a lot, M. Night Shama fucked hard. Uh, you know? <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, as a side note, the spinoff Breaking Bad show, we, call, we talked about it earlier uh, in an earlier episode called Better Call Saul with uh, yeah. Bob Odenkirk. They, it's confirmed that there, w- that, uh, there will be cameo appearances by Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. Oh, no way. Oh, wow. So that will happen. I, I think that's AMC's way of saying, hey, keep watching. You'll eventually see him. Right, right. <laughs> we need ratings. It's Bob Odenkirk. People should watch it. it yeah. It, when does he let anybody down? I mean. I know. I'm not trying to. I'm What I'm really, really what I'm bagging on is I'm bagging on AMC not doing any oh, yeah, I original you. programming. Yeah. Yep. So I love Bob Odenkirk. I hope it succeeds because I fucking love the guy. I've been a huge fan of his ever since, you know, Ben Stiller show back in 92. Yeah. And then and then when he went on to do Mr. Show and uh, everything he's in. I mean, he discovered Tim and Eric for crying out loud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which Tim Heidecker is a regular star now. He's a regular character on uh, Eastbound and Down. Just I thought I'd let you guys know. Oh, cool. Every okay. week, yeah. And he's playing like the like the the straight guy in the comedy. You know, right, he's okay. the straight man. Now I'm not talking about sexual preference. I'm just saying he's the <laughs> he's the straight man. So he's not a wacky character in this. He's he's uh, pretty level headed. You know, he does that pretty well. Surprisingly, he does. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, I did want to catch everybody up on where I am in Doctor Who. I just finished Doctor Who, the episode, uh, Blink, and it was fucking amazing. So if <laughs> it was, it was the, probably the single best episode I've ever seen in Doctor Who. Uh, you don't even need to be a, you don't even have to watch all the episode, all the other episodes of Doctor Who. You could watch Blink as a standalone episode and be fulfilled. So where's that at in in the series so far? It's season three, episode nine, I believe. Okay, yeah, you're cooking right along. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, but there, I, this is also related to Doctor Who. I've got another story here. And hey, it's been kind of a rough week uh, for Jason and Jake, uh, and so I'm bringing all the news this week. So all the news is on my fucking shoulders. So this show, <laughs> this show rests on my shoulders. But at the same time, the magic lies with Jason and Jake. <laughs> that's you know what i mean though thank you Brian. you know no no seriously it's like i you know like you're at my mercy on what stories i bring up because you yes. guys unfortunately and these things happen you know life happens and, and sometimes you can't bring everything every week and right. that's what happened with you guys this week life just fucking happened so it's like i put the show i put the show on my fucking shoulders and i said motherfuckers you can just jump on my back but yes, you, but you know have. what I still need you guys to like, you know, even though you're on my back and I'm trying to carry you, I need you to whisper. I mean, go, Brian, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> I need, I need you motherfuckers to be my Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> 
Go, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Frodo. Go, Mr. Frodo. We can yes. do it. Push Mr. Frodo. <laughs> You know, I'll eat that fucking elven bread with you guys. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn it. All right. Anyway, (laughs) about a week ago, the BBC started to confirm that lost episodes have been found uh, of Doctor Who in Nigeria. Um, Basically, yeah, there there are over, I don't know, there's like over, I think there's close to maybe 100 episodes that are lost. How is that? How- well, see, what the BBC used to do um, is uh, the there was a – they used to only hold on to episodes, tapes. Oh, okay. F- and film for like a few years, and after those years, they'd, they'd get rid of them and have them destroyed. So basically there have been like audio versions that have been found of certain episodes, but nothing like video. And uh, it looks like these episodes, nine episodes that feature Patrick – Trofton, the second doctor, mm-hmm. um, they have been found. There are five oh, wow. chapters of The Enemy of the World from 1967 in which the doctor is mistaken for an ambitious would-be di- uh, dictator in the far-flung future of 2018. And four from the 1968 broadcast, The Web of Fear, in which the robot Yeti, introduced in the Abominable Snowman episode, Dance with the Doctor in the Tube. Um, one of the two stories, the enemy of the world is now complete while the web of fear is still missing the third chapter. These episodes, they have been digitally cleaned and remastered and can be purchased via iTunes right now. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I, cool. I just saw the banner for that yesterday and was wondering what was up with that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had more on this. I, I must've lost some of that in my notes, but, but, uh, there are quite a few episodes that have never been recovered. Um, you know, so basically the people that watched them as they aired originally were the only ones who got to enjoy them. So a lot lot of the story is hearsay and things like that. So, um, but, but it's cool that some of this is being brought back to, to fans. Yeah. I think it's cool too, that it kind of just adds to the mystique that there were lost episodes. I think that's really cool that maybe they could pop up, you know, here and there, like they just did. So that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. I, I like that. Yeah, it's. But you got to think about this. Like these episodes are episodes from like the '60s, and so it's like we've waited 50 years for them. Oh you wow! Know? It's like you know, kind of like when they found like the um, the Beatles music years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that was a pretty big deal. So. Hmm. Yeah, yeah that's it, interesting. I, I like that. You have to keep us posted if uh, anything yeah. else pops up there. Yeah. Um, hey, staying on my shoulders, guys. I did watch, um, I did watch, it's, uh, the, a new show on the CW. It's called Tomorrow People. Uh huh. And, uh, I liked it. It's a great show. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware for the first episode. I haven't watched the second episode yet, but that, that first episode is really strong. And, sorry, my dog is like, licking a bowl and knocking it all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, uh, this, this guy, the the actor's name is Robbie Amell, and I was like, Robbie Amell? That's weird. He has the same last name as Stephen Amell, who's Arrow. Right. And so I like looked it up on IMDb, and apparently he's the younger cousin of Stephen Amell, and they look just like each other. Hmm. It's, huh. it's bizarre how close they look. Actually, that's what I thought first. I was like, oh my god, he looks just like Stephen Amell. I'm like, what's this guy's name? And then I looked it up on IMDb, it was Robbie Amell, who's the younger cousin of Stephen Amell. Okay. So wow. he he he's uh, he finds out that he has these powers. He, he's known that he's different, 
Uh, but he's been taking like, you know, uh, medication and things like that from his doctor to kind of like help him out. But he finds out from this group of people that he's able to uh, teleport. He has the power of telekinesis and telepathy. And uh, it's a really cool show. Definitely check it out. I actually like the first episode of this uh, just as much, if not more, than the first episode of Arrow. So, oh, cool. Oh, nice. So, and I mean, that first episode of Arrow started off really strong. I liked where they went with the island. Some of the ep- other episodes got a little corny, and they mixed in a love triangle and shit like that. But this Tomorrow People for the pilot was really good. And, and a lot of times what these pilots what, – what they do in these pilots is they film the pilot like six months before the actual show comes out. Uh, right. Because they don't know if they're going to get picked up. And so – I don't know if that's the case here. Hopefully they can keep a good tone. And, and there's a really cool twist at the end of the first episode. I, they're on episode two. You might be able to jump into episode three and just start it. It's called The Tomorrow People. Uh, it's on I, – I believe it's on uh, – yeah, it's on right after Arrow on uh, oh, okay. on Wednesday nights. Is this, a, is this kind of the serious tone as well like Arrow or yes. – Absolutely. Uh, The villain in this show is fantastic. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he did play a villain in the first season of Being Human, the the U.S. series. Uh, And uh, he also played a villain last season in Revolution. And this guy is a villainous character. He's fantastic. So I'm glad that he hopefully he'll be able to stick as the villain on this show and uh, not get killed off. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Walking Dead a little bit later, but there is a Kickstarter for a video game out there. It's called Undead Overlord, and huh. it's a real-time strategy game. Uh, you are not the person killing the zombies. You are the zombie. Hmm. So in s- basically, your enemy is trying to control the zombie outbreak, and you're trying to spread it. Interesting. It. I saw a video of it. It looked really cool. Uh, it's a Kickstarter right now. If you want to like donate to it, you can. It, it just looked like kind of like uh, I don't know, like kind of like The Sims. If you know what I mean, you're just trying to spread this outbreak. You're, you're trying to keep your zombies alive, and and so you bite people, and then they turn into a zombie. And so now, right. there's, now there's two of you. So like you know, and now the two of you bite two more people. There's four. And it spreads, and then they kill you, and you got to keep your numbers up. You want the outbreak okay. to spread, so you are the zombie. That's cool. Yeah. That is cool. Is it a is it a player versus player thing? Do you know? I don't know. I, I, okay. I watched the video on it, and they talked a little bit about it, and maybe that's something that they're looking at doing, maybe expanding later on. That'd be um, cool. But as of right now, I just know it's kind of. They, it, I guess it's just a one-person real-time strategy game, to my knowledge. But I could be wrong. It sounds fun as hell. Yeah, it does yeah, sound fun as it, hell. It looked fun, so I wanted to bring it up again. It's called Undead Overlord. Just look for it on Kickstarter. You can even download. There's a Kickstarter app for your phone. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. So. Um, let's see here. Last week we reviewed Gravity, which we all gave it a Tupperware. We all loved it. Um, so if you haven't seen that movie, I want you to definitely go out and watch it now while it's in theaters and make sure you watch it in 3d cause it is worth every penny. Yeah. Um, but I found this out. Uh, if it was up to the studio executives at Warner brothers, we may have seen a different film altogether. Uh, the studio executives at Warner brothers were trepidatious about going forward with, uh, Alfonso Cuaron's vision, uh, between him 
and the studio, they had two different visions for the film. Uh, Warner Brothers, they felt that the movie had beats and plot points that were just too unusual and unproven for film audiences. And, <laughs> and, and they're right in a way. We know, we've never seen anything like that, so they didn't know how it was going to play out. They could not visualize his vision for themselves. So yeah. the studio, they wanted to try and throw in elements to the story that were n- more uh, normal. Um, you know, lucky for us, Alfonso and his team, they stood strong and they brought us their vision of gravity. Uh, had it not been for them, we might have seen a softer or safer version of the film that featured flashback scenes. Oh, yuck. A love story subplot. Yeah. Or even a male version of Sandra Bullock's character. Oh, thank yeah. God they didn't. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, the director spoke to IO9 about what changes the studio suggested they make. Uh, they said, quote, you need to cut Houston and see – you need to cut to Houston. So they wanted to show Houston mission yeah. control and see how the rescue mission goes. And there no. is a ticking clock with the rescue mission. You have to do flashbacks with the backstory. Let's Got see. him. I'm so glad that, you know, you you have to – the thing about what's, you know, like music or movies, what's really cool about it is when you do something different, something that people haven't seen before. And I, I thank God that they didn't cut to Houston because even if it would have been like, you know, neat to see Ed Harris talking on the mic – it's still better that they kept it in space the whole time, you know, for one. Yeah, it would have really taken you out of the element of the Thank movie you. to be cutting back to, like, home base and computers and all that garbage. Yes. It's not Apollo 13. It's, it's gravity. Yeah, you know? we've seen it. We've seen Apollo 13, exactly. Yeah. I, I wanted to be in space for an hour and a half, and that's what that movie brought. That's it what did. that movie did for me. Yeah, And, yeah, they would have taken you out of the whole movie had they done that. Uh, he also went on to say um, they wanted to do uh, the whole thing in flashbacks um, and a whole thing with a romantic relationship with the mission control commander who is in, <laughs> who is in love with her. All of, the, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and oh. what else? To finish with a whole rescue helicopter that would come and rescue her. Stuff like no. that. So instead of us seeing this empowered female, she's got to be the woman who's always rescued. Right. You know? And it's like, thank goodness that Alfonso Curon, you know, did that. And, and a lot of people can say that, like, you know, maybe she wasn't empowered because she almost gave up. And it was the vision of, you know, okay, I'm not going to get into spoilers. I'm going to shut up. Okay. I'm going <laughs> right, to be, just watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you want to hear the amazing connection between the movie Gravity and the original Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes movies from uh, 1968, then stick around after the end music for the show. Uh, now, this will contain spoilers for the movie Gravity. So if you haven't seen that and don't want to be spoiled, then don't keep listening after the mu- after the music at the end of our show. You've been wow. warned. But I will. There is an amazing connection between the movie Gravity and the original Charlton Heston, Planet of the Apes. So I'll go over that later. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear that myself. <laughs> you, guys no might have, you guys might have to wait until everybody else gets to listen then. Yeah, I'm gonna it do sounds it after. like it. <laughs> um, hey, Jake, me and you, you'd watched it first. Uh, me and you watched American uh, Horror Story, the third season, Coven. Um, and uh, I wanted to go ahead, me and you, rate it. Uh, let's go ahead and play the rating system real quick. 
Sounds good. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets nom, a nom, Tupperware nom. rating. <laughs> if all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Okay, so you and me both watched it. I, I know you're probably chomping at the bit to talk about this. This is kind of your baby, so you go ahead and talk about it. Man, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I, I was blown away by it. Um, I've watched all three seasons of this. Um, I liked the second season, but it was a little bit of a letdown compared to the first season. Yeah. And I mean, this episode came out all guns blazing. I mean, just as twisted as the last two seasons, but just so much more fun with the whole concept of the witch school and just all the characters are really fun this time around. I mean, the cinematography on this show for a weekly television show is out of this world. I mean, I... I think this is the best show on right now, week to week, as far as a drama. Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I highly agree. This uh, this first episode, at least, I, I want to see else, where else it's going. But I mean, and the cast is amazing. You know, you got Jessica Lange coming back. Uh, you've got uh, you know Angela Bassett. Oh um, yeah, Kathy Bates. Kathy is so Bates. great in this. Yes. Um, and her character is actually based off a real historical character. Uh, her character, uh, actually, uh, Madame LaLaurie, I believe is her name. Yeah, that uh, sounds right. Yeah, uh, she was actually a real character from history. She used to abuse her slaves. Um, so it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a great season so far. That first episode was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I really I, and I it. recommend everyone out there to watch it because the one nice thing about this show is you can start on any season. There is no continuity from season to season, not even a nod or a wink about the last seasons. Right. Other than the actors returning each season, but they play completely different characters and completely different time periods with no carryover whatsoever. See, I watched the first episode of last season. Me and my girlfriend watched it together. And after we, we loved the first season so much that that first episode really just kind of like there was too many. We felt that there was too many uh, characters and story arcs and, and it yeah. was really confusing. So we dropped out after the first episode. Didn't like it It got at all. really convoluted. You, you yeah. weren't wrong on that. So we dropped out of it. And uh, I, I knew – since I know these are kind of like one-shot one seasons, just one story – uh, that has a conclusion at the end of the season. I was like, well, I'm going to give this third one a shot because I really did love the first season. I thought it was really original that they were really pushing the limits of television too. And so I watched this one. Dude, it was fucking awesome. I uh, It was so fucking great. It was funny. It was yeah. scary. And was, we haven't was... even really hardly been introduced to Angela Bassett yet. I mean, just barely. I, and I know she's going to bring a lot to the table, man. She's a fucking great actress. She is great. I love just even like right in the first two minutes when the uh, – is it Kathy Bates' daughter catches eye with the uh, the uh, guy that does the housework in the house. The way yeah. the camera like pulls yeah. out, oh, yeah. focuses on both characters oh, catching yeah. each other's they, eye. They, they framed him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was oh, like, tunnel, like tunnel vision straight to him. Yeah. Yeah, it was so neat. And oh, then they yeah. went right back to her so you saw that they made eye contact. And then the, like the flashback scenes, they show them in like the black and white, like the way things were used to be filmed and things like that. You know, they showed like the old Salem witches and things like that that really took you back. It was pretty cool. So basically yeah, really we're like looking it. at Coven. It's going to be like the Salem witches versus the voodoo witches is what this is building up to. Oh, wow. That's crazy. But the Salem witches are no longer in Salem. They're all in Los Angeles. 
<laughs> and you've got, you know, Jessica Lange's character is getting older and, and, uh, she doesn't want to grow old gracefully. She's looking per- pretty much for like the, uh, fountain of youth, uh, you know, when it comes to witchcraft. And so she's wanting to stay l- young, live forever. And, and she's some kind of special, special witch. I forget what they call her. The, the prime. Supreme. The Supreme. Of the Supreme. There yeah. you go. Yeah. She's the Supreme. All right. So yeah, um, I did want to bring this up. It's related. Jessica Lange stated that she may not, she may only have one more season of American Horror Story left in her and she might retire from acting altogether. Uh, she said, I'll probably do maybe if we do another one, I'll do that. But then yeah, because I'm kind of coming to an end of acting anyhow. Wow. But that'd be sad. Uh, they give her an award every season, so yeah. it's probably hard for her to quit. Exactly. And and series creator Ryan Murphy kind of agrees. He says every year she says, okay, that's my last one, but she's already committed to the fourth series. I can see American Horror Story going for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years. I think it's limitless because it re-energizes every year, which you brought up earlier, Jake. Mm-hmm. And he said, I would love for Jessica Lange to be a part of it every year. So, you know, he's he. it sounds like to him, uh, from what he said in the interview, is like, she says she's done and then he like presents her with the script and she sees like how fucking amazing it is and she's like okay i'm back <laughs> is it is it always the same people writing do you know is yes okay yes. wow that's that's amazing okay yeah they are all so different i i do enjoy that about the show you never know what you're gonna get with each season so uh, yeah, so I I definitely encourage everybody to watch it. It's a, it's a Tupperware for me, too. I don't know if I gave my rating, but it's definitely a Tupperware for that first episode. So, yeah, second one's tonight. I'll be watching. Nice. Uh, the first Marvel-themed thrill ride at Disney, uh, at a Disney park, has officially been announced, and it's coming to Hong Kong Disneyland. We, we all knew it was a matter of time before, uh, you know, a marvel theme ride at Disney Park would happen. Because you know Marvel, uh, Disney bought Marvel, and right. uh, don't worry uh, if you if you go to the Universal Studios, they're not going to lose their rides. They're kind of like grandfathered into that, so it's not like they're going to lose Spider Man and and those rides and things like that. They'll just yeah. they're kind of grandfathered in. They're not going to lose them, but I don't think they can do any more new. I don't think they can do any new rides with it um, there at Universal, but. Uh, the it's the new ride is called the it's going to be in Hong Kong Disneyland, which I'm sure they're going to bring it over here too. Because Universal Studios, they I think their their park in Singapore had the first Transformers ride before they brought it here to the U.S. Now the Iron Man experience will open in 2016, and it will be a high tech simulator that puts the rider into Tony Stark's suit as he flies around the streets of Hong Kong battling enemies. Awesome. Uh, that will be awesome. <laughs> so I, I'm pretty sure this is going to hit the U.S. theme parks too. Uh, it, it, it always does. I've seen that's kind of like the the trend. Um, now, this next story is similar, and it actually broke out a couple months ago, and it was something I wanted to cover, but we didn't. I, I think it got lost in the mix somewhere. Marvel is also creating its own circus-like event, and it's touring it, touring it across the United States. Now, I cannot get confirmation as to how they're doing this. There's two different... There's two different uh, descriptions of this. I've heard it called the Marvel Experience, and then I've heard it called uh, something else. Hold on. I'll I'll have it here in a second. And the project is a blend of theme park and museum elements housed under a 50,000-square-feet dome, which is about about the size of two football fields. It will travel to roughly 20 cities in 2014. 
Fans, it says fans will be able to ride a 4D motion ride, watch 3D movies, interact with holograms, read motion comic books, all in one place. The wow. whole thing is designed to make the customer feel like a superhero in the Marvel Universe. That's fucked up. That is awesome. They need Nightcrawler to run that. But <laughs> yeah. how is that even possible? I don't understand. See, that's the thing. This was like back in August they were talking about this. But it yeah. looks like it's changed a bit from what I'm now reading. It sounds more like it's an arena experience, like you're watching a circus more than it does interactive areas. Okay. And now it's called Marvel Universe Live. <laughs> okay. And I'm not sure if these are the same thing or if there's going to be two tours and there's going to be one. Um, you know what I mean? That was the interactive one. Or yeah. if it's going to be like – and then they're going to also going to go on, to, on tour kind of like a circus, uh, circus uh, de soleil or whatever they call it or like the Blue Man Group, how they go on tour. And yeah. then they yeah. do, and then you do the, what this, this this thing Marvel, Marvel Universe Live, which will it, it's said to bring Marvel's most iconic heroes and fearsome villains to life like mm-hmm. never before during a live action arena spectacular that will tour eighty five North American cities in its first two years. Wow! Wow! Yeah, I totally go see that. If it's real. <laughs> as long as it's not Marvel on ice. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, there was a teaser trailer for it, and it had uh, – it was Peter Cullen's voice. Hold on. I think I have that. It is an object so powerful, some would stop at nothing to control it. while others would sacrifice everything to defend it. The fate of the universe depends on it. From Marvel and Feld Entertainment. Marvel Universe, live. And like during the trailer, uh, the teaser trailer for it, all you see is like glass shattering. But in the glass shattering, you can see like reflections. And I, I know I saw like Nick Fury in there and and some other characters. So uh, I, th- wow. I don't know if these are like they, if they abandon the Marvel experience and then they're like, okay, we're just gonna that's too hard, we can't work it out, uh, and now we're just gonna do this Marvel Universe Live thing because it sounds like it's from two different companies too because. The uh, Marvel experience, that was conceived and developed and created by Hero Ventures. Okay. And so, um, you know, the CEO of Hero Ventures was talking about that. You know, he, he, said, I, he said, the dynamic creative elements we're developing are going to enable anyone to feel like a superhero, like Spider-Man or Captain America. We wouldn't be more excited about our partnership with – we couldn't be more – excited about our partnership with marvel kids and adults are going to be absolutely inspired empowered and thrilled from start to finish with an immersive experience that is not just memorable but unforgettable so now we're finding out about marvel universe live which sounds more like you're just sitting down and watching it yeah you're not interacting so i i don't know what this is gonna i i I think marvel universe live is the thing they just announced i think that's what we're gonna see i just don't know if they've put this uh marvel experience on the back burner god it sounds like it costs a ton of money to do the experience i mean i i can Uh see them doing the live thing and and i could see that working really well actually but 
the experience sounds like millions and millions of dollars, you know. And it's a traveling tour. Like, it's going to hit 20 cities. You know? Yeah, that's insane. Right. Now, now, I have a question you may or may not be able to answer. What licenses do these two things have? Do they have all of them or just they, the movie licenses? They would. That, that's an interesting question. Austin uh, Shadowin asked a question earlier on uh, Facebook I thought was really cool too, and I'm going to kind of tie that into this. The movies are broken down between studios, but as far as like comic books and cartoons uh, and even television shows, they can use whatever characters they want. Sweet. So okay, good deal. Back when, um, back when uh, Fox still owned Daredevil, you know, I remember hearing that you know, like you know, Guillermo del Toro was talking about doing that uh, Incredible Hulk TV show, and uh, people were like, you know, well, what about you know, can you have like other characters in there interacting with him other than because you know they're not going to have Avengers in it, but like, what about street level characters? Like, what about Daredevil? You know, he's with Fox at the time. This was a couple right. years ago. Uh, and you know the Hulk is with you know he's he's owned by you know Marvel Studios. Like, what, what, can they have can they have Daredevil in there? Absolutely, they can. On a, that's uh, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so for television, they can have any character. So like, but but I don't think like for television that that's ever going to happen because I don't think we have the technology to pull that off yet. But you know what I mean? For I don't think they have the budgets to like. Okay, this week we're going to introduce the Fantastic Four. Right. You right. know, it's like you're not going to be able to really do that on a television level. Um, yeah. You know, that's and, interesting, Brian. Now, now they have done it on the animation already. Now that you bring it up, like Spider Man has been on the Avengers cartoon, sure. and vice versa. Yeah, that that can happen, and it can happen on TV too. It just can't happen in the movie universe yet, unless the studios work out a deal with each other. So and that was a, that was a really cool question. I'm glad Austin asked me that too. So and Austin, thanks for being a listener. You're you're awesome. He's really interactive on the on the Facebook, and I just want to thank him for being a really cool listener. Thanks, Austin. But uh, yeah, I think I, I I personally I'd like to see both things, but I think the Marvel experience sounds like something more fun. Like you could spend a whole day there. Yeah, it's almost like a traveling Comic Con for Marvel, basically. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it does sound it sounds great on paper. I don't know if they could pull that off. Right. Man, they are really getting out there, aren't they? If you guys could do like one thing, like let's say they do the Marvel experience, like if you could do one thing like a Marvel superhero, like what would you want to do? Like what what experience would you want to experience? Man, I want to fly. Okay. I, I yeah, I mean, I would say that, but I, I'd also, I'd rather be Spider Man. I want to, I want to be climbing, like set up some kind of wall climbing situation or whatever, where I'm swinging and climbing that kind of thing. You know, if it's virtual reality or not, I'm sure they could even put you on a harness and have you climbing walls and stuff. Yeah, so that'd be cool. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to do that too because I love Spider Man. That'd be a really cool thing to tackle. I'd like to just like travel like the universe and like uh, with the Fantastic Four in like a 3D movie. Oh man, could you imagine doing like, you know, like Infinity Universe where you're like flying up there and running into Thanos and yeah. all the Kree and Scroll. That'd be yeah. And, and you could invite Alfonso Curan to do all the uh cinematography. <laughs> yeah. And you could actually damn it. Yeah. Feel like you're actually out there. Got so. it. Have any of you stopped thinking about gravity? No. Yet? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just checking that no. I wasn't crazy. No. <laughs> And I wish Marvel would just fire Colby Smulders and have uh, a Sandra Bullock come in there and be Maria Hill. Oh, <laughs> I'm hell telling yeah. you, oh, man. Yeah, after that. After that, sure. dude. 
uh, in a perfect world. Um, if you guys were fans of uh, Talladega Nights and Step Brothers, then you'll definitely be interested in checking out the comedy Devil's Night. Uh, it reunites Will Ferrell and, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Uh, the title refers to October 30th, where uh, mischief happens. According to the rap, here is an early description of the movie. The unofficial holiday made Leonard and Gabe best friends as children, though it would eventually be responsible for tearing them apart. Fifteen years later, the Devil's Night growing out of, with Devil's Night growing out of control, they must put their differences aside and reunite to save their neighborhood from utter destruction. So, <laughs> we're going to get a new... Gonna get to so see they've done Talladega Nights, Step Brothers. We're gonna get a new Will Ferrell, John C. Riley movie. At this point, I think John C. Riley's a lot funnier than Will Ferrell. Oh, definitely. Personally, yeah. But they work really well together. They Both do. those movies were great. Like I hated them at first. I remember seeing them in the theater and going, "This is fucking a waste of time and money." And then when I went back home and watched them again and again, I was like, "Man, I fucking love these movies." Yeah, they're they're, they're just you know, it's like Dumb and Dumber. It's just a fun escape. And yeah, I, I'd love to see them back together. And I do agree, John C. John C. Riley's got the got the crown at the moment oh, as far as yeah, I'm dude. concerned. Uh, Oh shit, dude! Uh, for your health, man. What's the fucking name of the character? Uh, why? Yeah. See, now I can't think of it. Any other time, I can think of it. From what? From what? He he did that. Uh, uh, Doctor Steve Brule. Yeah. Yeah, Doctor Steve Brule. If okay, yeah. it was on uh, Tim and Eric's awesome show. Yeah. Which h- hilarious show? But yeah, go to YouTube, watch John C. Riley as uh, Doctor Stephen Brule, and uh, you know, make sure to watch it for your health. I actually <laughs> saw him in Chicago. He was a surprise guest at the Tim and Eric show, and it was awesome. Uh, <laughs> he basically groped a girl on stage that he pulled from the audience. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's hilarious, man. He's just a fun guy. Yeah, I love him. And, uh, I mean, I've loved him and everything he's done. He was great. And uh, he was even funny in Boogie Nights, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He I love that movie. Gangs of New York. He was really good in that. Yep, and we're gonna get him in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which will be interesting. Yes, yeah. I can't wait. Um, let's see here. Uh, if you've been watching Marvel's Agents of Shield, you've also noticed an activist group being portrayed on the show called Rising Tide. Yeah, um, you may not know though that you may not know that this is the real name of a group that just so happens to be an activist group as well. so you'd think like okay this is free publicity and that's pretty cool huh not according to the real rising tide they're pretty pissed uh (laughs) they're pretty pissed with the way the activist community is depicted in general and on the series uh rising tide is an organization that came into being in 2000 and since then has picked up chapter in the u.s uk and Australia, they estimate there are more than 50 active local chapters in North America aimed at combating climate change and reliance on fossil fuels through nonviolent direct action. Now they the, sound like supervillains to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now That's some Doctor Doom weather control shit going on right there. Yes. <laughs> now the group is asking Disney to change the name of the evil organization through an online petition. Oh yeah, right. And they get they, <laughs> there's a whole statement you can read it online. So I just thought that was pretty interesting, and I, I do think that Disney probably got it from them. If you actually look at the logo from Rising Tide, 
from Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and compare it to the logo of the actual Rising Tide, it looks like the exact same fucking logo. It's like a, it's like a, it's like you see the the Earth as a globe, and then like you know like a tide, like uh, the, the the climate change and things like that. Right. And it's like shit. That's pretty damn close, man. They should use it to their advantage. I mean, I don't think it's a bad cause. Just use it to your advantage. Why be pissed about it? Yeah, all press is good press. Yeah. You just got to make the most out of it. Yeah, I, and they and they are. I, I think that they're trying to get some. They're definitely going to capitalize on this. But I think at the same time, you know, I, honestly, they should be happy. Nobody would have heard of their fucking cause had it not been for that. No, because I sure as hell no. wouldn't have been. You no, know, I wouldn't have heard <laughs> of them. So maybe they should change their name to Hydra. <laughs> that's not that's not a good idea <laughs> then they'll be pissed off at the comics right yeah touche uh in an interview with joe mikulczak i hope i said his name right of sky news uh bob orsi who you know co-wrote the star trek movies and uh Basically, he told Joe of Sky News that they've had a meeting with CBS to revive Star Trek on TV. No, uh, bring it back. No way. Now, my question, though, is would this be part of the original Gene Roddenberry canon or would they go the same route of Marvel Studios and try to intertwine this show to the Star Trek movies like Marvel's doing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, I want post-Voyager Star Trek on TV right now. Okay, now there was that rumored um, – Worf TV show, which is probably never going to happen because, like, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Michael Dorn. He, yes. He was wanting to – he was wanting to uh, have a show as him being, you know, a Klingon captain of the Enterprise or have, Ooh, or have his own ship. Right. And uh, that never got off the ground. He's been wanting to do that for a few years. Um and I've also heard rumors that they're thinking about, you know, since John Cho is doing TV for Sleepy Hollow, that they're also there's that they could give, you know, Zulu his own ship like they've been talking about. He deserves his own ship at this point, I think. You know, so, I mean, that could be like if they're going to if they're going to have it go off the movie universe, that's what they would that's what they could do. Um, but I'm hoping it's Gene Roddenberry canon shit. So. Me too. Yeah. So. Yeah, don't tie it to the movies at this point. Let, let, let yeah. leave it separate. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. That's all this is now. Everything it's it's, it's all fucking shared universe now with everything. <coughs> like right, you, like right. And Marvel's done it. Marvel started it. They're like the grandfather of this shared universe. Like everything's a shared universe. Like they're even talking about doing like a crossover between Godzilla and Pacific Rim. That was even I know that was brought yeah. up. You know, That'd everything's cool. everything's got to be a shared universe now. So yeah, you don't have to fucking copy everything that's been done, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I think shared universe is good to an extent, but I, I don't see why a Gene Roddenberry canon Star Trek show couldn't be why they couldn't do it. You don't have to like have it go off the movies, especially with the way the last movie performed. As far as like Star Trek fans, I think it's a bad idea to go that route i think you just need to push forward like jake said you know let's go past voyager and let's get back to you know exploring let's go back on that you know uh, exploring you know the unknown instead of like it's uh, like the new star trek movies are all about war and shit oh yeah which makes for an exciting movie but you know you need to go out there and explore that's what star trek's about and you know i love the jj abrams your original star trek movie but it's more of an adventure and it's not about science Absolutely. No, it's way more Star Wars than Star Trek. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
So I don't know. My vote is for a Gene Roddenberry, you know, you know, Star Trek. So bring it back home to the kids who watch TV. Yeah, bring yeah. it back. Yeah, I have missed Star Trek being on my TV so much. I mean, it's been a long time now since Enterprise. Yep. That's what I used to fall asleep to. I mean, there was nothing else on when I was going to bed growing up. That was always on, whether it was Deep Space Nine, Voyager, the original, the next generation. I was watching all of them. What's yeah. your favorite, Jay? I, I'm a, I'm the biggest fan of the original, but I, I liked Deep Space Nine, and I did like Next Generation. I liked them all. Deep I mean, Space Nine is my favorite. Yeah, Deep I, Space Nine was really fun. It was just so much different than the, you know, just the regular run of the mill. It was like the Moss Eisley of, you know, the Star Trek universe. So, and I always think of it as the first Star Trek serial drama, where Next Gen and the original series were all one and done. So this actually every episode connected yeah. over, and there was always just new and exciting characters. That's what you need. You need these new characters and these new circumstances, and they always had really cool villains too, and just stuff that they had to deal with. And it was always like, how are they going to deal with this situation? So, yeah, yeah I'd love that, man. That'd be great. I love Quark. <laughs> Cork oh, was awesome. Cork was great. Yeah, Cork yeah. was awesome. Didn't he show up in one of the uh, the uh, Next Generation movies? I thought so. I yeah, think he was like he bartending in one of them or something. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. But, uh, I think Janeway showed up in the last in Nemesis. It's been so long since I've seen Nemesis. Yeah, me too. I, I love, I'm a big fan of Next Generation. I, I, I love that show. Um, my favorite episodes were the uh, Sherlock Holmes episodes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with the Moriarty and everything. Yes. Oh, God, I love that. Did they ever find – I think I did watch the episode where they found a way to get Moriarty off out of the holodeck. Yes, that that's a great episode. God. Season six. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love Next Generation. I'd love to see – I would love to see uh, Worf get his own, his own uh, ship, but it, it'll never happen. They kind of did that already in Deep Space Nine. Did they? I yeah, didn't, I didn't watch Deep Space Nine as much. And pretty much had his own command. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. That was a big deal. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about Bradley Cooper. He was in that movie Limitless where he took that uh, that drug that unlocked 100% of his brain. Do you guys right. remember that? Yep. Uh, that movie, uh, I don't know. I, I watched the first hour of it. I got tired and I fell asleep. I don't know if it got any better, but... It was okay. Uh, according to Deadline, Bradley Cooper will be producing the show. There's a new TV show that they're going to come out with called Limitless. It's going to be a Limitless TV show. So I oh, wow. just thought I'd throw that out there. I don't really give a shit about it. I, I don't know how you could really make that a – maybe it will be a good show. I don't know. Fuck it. I've never seen that movie, but my roommate raves about it. Really? Yeah. It's got Do- uh, Robert De Niro in it and – I mean, I watched like the first hour. It was okay. I mean, but it's, I, I just, I think I was just really tired and went to sleep and I never like rendered it again. But, um, mm. you know, it's something that, uh, I don't know. I'd be interested in maybe seeing a TV show, maybe a pilot. And if it's good, maybe watching it. I don't know. Yeah. Is limitless really limitless? We'll find out on TV. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't know about you guys. You probably haven't heard about this, but, uh, this show, when I read about it, it blew my fucking mind. I'm really looking forward to this new HBO show. It's coming out in January, actually January 12th. I just found out today. It comes out January 12th. It's called true detective. Hmm. And I heard of that. Yes. Uh, true detective. And the show is described as an elevated serial narrative. It's uh, directed by Carrie Fukunaga. 
<laughs> hey, watch, watch your mouth. <laughs> I do. That's that's dude's name or chick's name. I think it's a dude. But okay. uh, yeah, fuck uh, you, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you too, Brian. Uh, uh, okay, basically, the show is described as an elevated serial narrative that uses multiple perspectives and time frames. It stars Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey Woo-hoo! I like as, it. as two detectives whose lives collide and entwine during a 17-year hunt for a serial killer in Louisiana. The investigation of a bizarre murder in 1995 is framed and interlaced with testimony from the detectives in 2012 when the case has been reopened. Uh, the show's creators, they envision the show as an anthology, and the first eight episodes will tell a complete story. So this could mean that the second season, if there is one, it could feature a different plot. It could also feature different stars. This could be like another American Horror Story or something. Interesting. So the first eight episodes will tell a complete story, so I don't know if it has to keep going. You know what I mean? Right. But, uh, I mean, you had me when you said it was going to star Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey in an HBO show. I mean, Absolutely. I guess there's money in TV now. I think I think TV is almost becoming as epic as movies anymore. I mean, you've got shit like Game of Thrones and, and uh, some of these shows are just as – and even like Breaking Bad and Walking Dead. Walking Dead, not so much anymore because I think it was more epic and cinematic when they had Frank Darabont. But – um, you know, you've got Game of Thrones. These are epic fucking shows, and I think a lot of these actors are taking uh, no. Uh, like, they're looking at that and they're like, "Wow, there, you know, there's some really cool shit on TV." Yeah, if you want to like solidify your career anymore, it's basically get into television, and and they're getting a lot of these guys. Like with Thor: Dark World, they're getting the guy from uh, Game of Thrones to to do it. So I think you're seeing a lot of that happening now in TV, and I, I think it's becoming. You know, it, it seems more viable. It seems like more people are watching on, on their computer, on the TV, than going to movies, which is kind of sad. I think more people should go see movies. But at the same time, we had a long run of really shitty movies. And, you know, up until, like, Avengers, I wasn't really watching movies. Right. So I, I think it's – uh yeah, I think it's really reassuring, you know. And, and it seems like they're putting a, their heart and soul into these things. It's not like I'm watching them going, oh, this is shit. It's like – blown away with a lot of these shows just like wow how the fuck you know yeah it's the best i think it's the best time for television we've had in a long time and i hate to say that because i don't think sitting in front of your tv is a great idea but i think there's a lot of ways to watch these things now and it's really cool yeah i disagree it's a fantastic idea (laughs) (laughs) there's some really good storytelling on tv now it's amazing yeah Yeah, it's crazy yeah Yeah. and unlike a movie you don't have to wait three years for another production to happen and see what happens next you know usually next week you're right back on the train yeah i mean you think about it too like people aren't really reading a lot of books anymore i mean all that stuff's kind of going out the window so this is kind of where you're getting that now you're getting your storytelling a lot from television because they have such a big time frame to work with and i think it's a really good thing yeah imagine trying to make lost i mean you know how many seasons did lost go six yeah trying to make that into a trilogy right (laughs) exactly which which, you know which which kind of blew me away that you know Zack snyder was able to turn watchman into a you know a two and a half three hour movie i mean True. That's something that shit. You could have turned that into a fucking you know Showtime show or an HBO show. I mean, yeah, that could have been ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk, man. I got so much fucking news, guys. Thanks for riding my back on this motherfucker. 
No problem. Good job, Brian. <laughs> no, no, I, that's not what I'm looking for. You guys, you guys chime in. You guys are awesome. Every week, you guys fucking amaze me. I love so. hearing it, man. I, I, yeah, I love hearing all this stuff. So if I'm not reading it, and you tell me, that's just as good to me. So. I'm going to bring this up. You guys might be excited about this. I, I know you probably, probably have heard this. We've known for a few years that Ridley Scott has been talking about making a sequel to 1982 sci-fi film Blade Runner. Right. Uh, and last year, original Blade Runner scribe Hampton Fancher came aboard to pen a screenplay that would take place some years after the first film. This news still doesn't mean that the film will ever start production, but we have found out this week that discussions have been made with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford admitted to having discussions with Ridley Scott saying, yeah, we've been chatting about it. I truly admire Ridley as a man and as a director, and I would be very happy to engage again with him in further telling of this story. Wow. Um, but Ridley Scott, he might, he could be busy for most of next year. He's got production and post-production on Exodus. So it could be a while before he even has time to, you know, work on, on a film with Harrison Ford and even think about a Blade Runner sequel. So, um, I just wanted to bring that up. Are you guys excited for a Blade Runner sequel or do you just want to kind of like leave it where it is back in the eighties? I don't even know what's canon in Blade Runner anymore. They've recut this movie so many goddamn times that it's annoying to me. I, I almost think it needs to be retold, um, whether it's a new story or not. I, I think there was a lot wrong with that movie. You know, I liked it, but, you know, I think it needs I, I think it needs an updating. So I, I'd be happy to see what they do with it now, even if it's a continuation of the first one. But there's a lot of the first one where I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know, right. I didn't really understand what they were trying to do with it. But Jake, yeah, you- it'd be fun. Jake, are you kind of saying that you want this next film to kind of like make sense of the first film? I just want to, I want a definitive cut gotcha. of the original film. I don't even know what is the canon version anymore. So, Ridley Scott has re-edited this movie over three times now. Yeah, it's almost as bad as Lucas. Yeah, and every time he does it, he tells us, okay, you know, th- this is a replicant. That's not a replicant. He, he literally changes plot every time he re-edits this movie right. I, to the point where I'm, I'm just confused. I don't even care about the franchise anymore. What about you, Jay? So it doesn't sound like you're too excited either. No, I, I, would, I would be totally <clears throat> thrilled to see a new, a new version of it. I, I would say go ahead and just reboot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, maybe take elements from that first one. Because to me, there was a lot of really good stuff in that first one, but there was a lot of shit. And so just no matter how many times he's re-edited it, there's still stuff I have problems with. But go ahead and take the good stuff from it and continue that with an older, wiser Harrison Ford character. I'd be totally happy to see that. Right. Doesn't Ridley Scott have a movie opening this week? Am I crazy? Is it? I know. Is it Consultant? Uh, I th- think you're Javier Badim and uh, Brad Pitt. You're right. And a bunch of other- yes, yes, he does. Yes, yeah, that, that came real under the radar. I didn't even know about that. I know. I know. A couple days ago. I know. Yeah, it, it really did, and uh, I still don't even know what it's about. No, the commercials are real vague. They pretty much just list the actors, say it's a film by Ridley Scott, and mm-hmm. off you go. <laughs> I think. I think. I think we're gonna have another. I think Gravity is gonna take the third week, and because uh, Gravity took last week, it beat out Captain Phillips. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, Gravity did. Man, like, I still want to see that too, though. Yeah, uh, Captain Phillips did like twenty million, and I think uh, Gravity did like forty-four. I mean, it barely dipped, man. It barely fucking dipped. 
it's one of those I think it's it's like a domino effect with that movie. It's just the more people see it, the more people are gonna go see it. So yeah. I've been telling everybody to see it. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, people are doing a good job keeping the uh, cone of silence about the movie too, you know what I'm I saying? Like that. Yeah, surprisingly yeah. so, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 an experience. It really is. It's going to be one of those things like you're going to tell, you know, like, you know, the younger generation that didn't get a chance to see it in theaters like, yeah, I saw Gravity in theaters. I think they're, like we're going to see in the future once they get this 3D shit down, once these directors start to find better ways to use 3D, I think that there are going to be like 3D theaters that actually just like replay really good 3D movies. You know? Oh yeah. Kind of like a kind of like a good song, you know. You just want to like listen to it over and over again. I think some of these 3D movies, that's the only way you're going to be able to experience it. I don't even think that we're going to have that type of really cool 3D available in the home for a long, long time. So, right? No, I don't know. That's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. Um, scheduled to hit theaters March 2015. Fantastic Four. It should be starting production shortly, and that means that we're probably going to get some real casting announcements any day now. Uh, Variety has some names that they've rumored for Reed Richards, uh, Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones, Jack O'Connell of the upcoming 300, and then uh, we, we talked about this one earlier, but Miles Taylor of The Spectacular Now. Yeah. Um, but uh, the actors that are testing for Sue Storm are Kate Mara of American Horror Story and House of Cards, uh, Seors Ronan of uh, Hannah, and yeah. uh, she's also being rumored for uh, Star Wars. Uh, episode seven. Now, there are no uh, words on casting for Ben Grimm. Uh, there's no word on that, and the only name mentioned for Johnny Storm has been Michael B. Jordan, who we've talked about. Now he there's some credence in that. I mean, he worked with Josh Trank on on Chronicle. They have a good relationship together, so that could happen. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, he 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 seems to be the only shoe in for that role, so I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. But the rest of them, yeah, pretty up in the air. It's really going to depend on who these actors and actresses are. Um, and, of course, like Ben Grimm's got to be pulled off correctly for yeah. once. I was just going to talk <laughs> about that. They, they, I hope they just go the Avengers route yes. and just make them CG. Amen. Yeah. Cast an actor, cast a voice, make them CG and make them look awesome. Don't right. make them look like a fucking foam latex piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. He can, he can go toe-to-toe with the fucking Hulk. Uh, All I, right, so make him right. I wish they would have got uh, Michael Rooker to play the voice of Ben Grimm. Oh, Absolutely, that's a great. That's great. Yeah, he but, is Ben Grimm. Yeah. He is Ben Grimm, not necessarily the thing, but yeah, yeah he is Ben Grimm. Yeah, I, I think he could pull off being Ben Grimm too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So I mean, yeah. I, I but see, then you've got the conflict of interest, conflict, I guess, with yeah. uh, him being Yondu in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So. Yeah, which seems to be like it might be more than just a little minor role for him. Right. It sounds like they're really talking his character up for that. So. Yeah. Did you um? This is off topic, and you probably have this down already. But did you read about the Ant Man casting? Yes, stuff? yes, 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 yes. I'm going to go over that. Okay. I'm definitely going to go over that. Hold on, I do have that here. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, you're totally fine. Um, you know what? I have it down, but I guess I just don't have it down here on my notes. You know what? I I do have it. We're going to go over that. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. there's. Uh, Hold on. Let me get those notes here real quick. Tell you what, we're going to take a real quick break. We'll come back and we're going to talk. The first thing we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the Ant-Man casting. We'll be right back. Sweet. (laughs) 
All right, we're back. We're going to talk about the uh, Ant-Man rumored casting announcement, I guess, that was kind of made. Uh, Yeah, exactly. It looks like we're finally getting some casting rumors, finally, for uh, Phase 3 Marvel film Ant-Man by director Edgar Wright. Uh, There was that rumor when Army Hammer was on the set of Captain America Winter Soldier that they were going to look to sign Army Hammer on as Scott Lang or or Hank Pym in the Ant-Man film. Those rumors died uh, though, of course, after the financial failure, that was the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger. Uh, that movie was also the death of Jerry Bruckheimer's relationship with Disney, but that's another story. Uh, but Variety has reported that we have two frontrunners for the role of Ant-Man, Paul Rudd and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They are going to meet with Marvel executives and Edgar Wright one more time before a final decision is made. They are said to be looking for a, quote, normal-looking actor, unquote. The part will be Hank Pym, not Scott Lang, and they are looking for him to be able to go toe to toe with Robert Downey Jr. As far as like you know them, you know going their banter. Um, hours later, we learned though from a French website, uh, Alicine, that was able to speak with Joseph Gordon-Levitt about the Ant Man rumor during a press event for Don John. Uh, he responded. There are always rumors. I talk a lot about my future projects. So if you haven't heard me talk about it, it means it's nothing but a rumor. People like to write about rumors. Gordon Levitt also added that reports of him having passed auditions or any screen test for Ant-Man were, quote, nothing but lies. Wow. Hmm. So from that... I can only assume that Paul, the Paul Rudd rumor is is actually bullshit, too. Yeah. So Variety, whoever reported that, is full of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, within hours of that article coming out, fucking, he was asked about it, said, it's bullshit. It's not true. Nothing's taken place. Right. Yeah, you're probably right. I bet Rudd hasn't been asked, even though I think that's a pretty great idea. Yeah. That's that's the guy, like, I was like, before the, before that and you know, before Joseph Gordon-Levitt actually came out and said, you know, it's not true. Um, and this might be his agent telling him to tell everybody it's not true, blah, 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 blah. But I don't think that's the case here, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think this is – I think Paul Rudd would be great. That's who I, w- I was going to ask you guys. So who would you rather see as Ant-Man, Joseph Gordon-Levitt or Paul Rudd? Or do you have somebody else in mind? And, and like, you know, I was like, okay, between those two, I, I would take Paul Rudd. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I would take Paul Rudd too. Yeah. So yeah, he's got to be kind of um uh he's got to have some wit about him and you know kind of a smart ass but also at the same time unjustified smart ass. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Paul Rudd is pretty perfect for it, but that kind of sucks, you know. I don't know. Yeah. There's so many damn rumors out there about everything anymore, so it's just people trying to get people to go to their websites or read their magazines and yeah like dude, but paul, paul rudd would be great ev- okay like every fucking uh, actor that we thought that could been batman n- none of them were chosen none and of it, them. It, like yeah. you know out of left field we get ben affleck or like whoa yeah. you know blindsided and and like you know now it's like everybody was talking about you know joseph gordon like they just want to see joseph gordon levin in a marvel film we oh we yeah. just got to see him in a marvel film i don't care who he plays he's just got to be in a marvel film so like they were even talking about him being uh what was it dr strange at dr. one time strange, yeah. which was a bizarre rumor 
Yeah, it know? doesn't look anything like Doctor Strange. <laughs> Not my first choice, at least. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, at least the Ant-Man kind of made sense, you know, for, uh, you know, Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt. But Paul Rudd is so out of the box. And I think, like, him going toe-to-toe with the banter and, like, the sarcasm shit with uh, – um, with uh, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark would just be great. What great? Oh, yeah. Those would be great interactions, even though they wouldn't even meet up, I think, until Avengers 3, because this is going to be the first Phase 3 film. Yeah, and they, they've got to have somebody that can stick around and do that. Yeah. I, yeah, I do think Rudd would be fantastic. They're both They're both kind of the same character, but one's a little more damaged than the other, you know? And I think Rudd could really pull that off with with Robert Downey Jr. being, you know, kind of his mirror image almost. But right, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know who they're going to do. It's really up in the air at this point. I think it's a good career move for Rudd too. I mean, he really hasn't been in anything other than all the all the comedies and all that kind of thing. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah that's kind of what he's known for, and he does it well, though. You know, usually yeah. in some of those shitty comedies that he, I'm not saying he's in shitty comedies. Uh, but some, most of the comedies that he's in, he's the best part of that comedy. Yeah, and you always feel like he could do a little more, you know. So I think this would be perfect for him. But again, yeah. it's just a rumor, so who knows? All right, uh, let's move on to the next thing. But yeah, thanks, Jake, for bringing that up, dude. I, I totally left that out of my notes. Thank you. Not a problem. Shit, not I'm, a problem. I'm your you know, Sam Wise. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> now there's only one set of footprints in the fucking sand, <laughs> <laughs> and it's yours because you're carrying me, motherfucker. All right. <laughs> Anyway, wow, ah, I have problems. Uh, <laughs> finally, we've got some concrete Jurassic Park forecasting, guys. What? Concrete. Uh, Ty Simpkins, the little kid that was in Iron Man 3, yeah, now has a Nova. role. Nova? Yes, uh, we think he might be Nova. But uh, he, he, is, uh, now ca- he now has a role in 2015's Jurassic Park 4. Um, there are also, which I think is great. Uh, I mean, uh, we've got a kid in the movie, so we, kids can play scared really well. (laughs) I mean, there's nothing more terrifying than watching a helpless kid, you know, That's what was cool about the first one too, was the kids being kind of stranded. Yeah, totally. Uh, there are also some, uh, rumored actors in the running for roles in the film. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is in talks to join the film as well as new girls, Jake Johnson, uh, who okay. worked with the film's director, uh, Colin Trevorrow. Uh, Colin Trevorrow, Trevorrow did a movie called Safety Not Guaranteed, which, which yeah. by the way, if you have not seen that movie, uh, you need to. I saw uh, it at the Indie Theater here in town uh, last year with my girlfriend. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, anyway, the newest casting rumor is 18-year-old Nick Robinson, uh, from the movie Kings of Summer. And then take this, everybody who thinks I'm fucking crazy for watching Melissa and Joey because it's my guilty fucking pleasure. He's, he plays writer on the show Melissa and Joey. <laughs> take that. So all Secret. you, yeah. So all you people giving me shit for watching Melissa and Joey. Why do you like Melissa and Joey so much? Do you like Joey Lawrence? Dude, he's in this show. So you know what? If anybody's going to have any idea if this kid can pull it off it's me and you know what i think i think nick robinson would be great for this movie because he's this kid is really talented i think he's probably the most talented person on that cast he plays that awkward teenager very very well he's got a great comedic timing when he does it and it's almost i compare it kind of like almost to michael Cera in a way very cool you know the way he, he he's that awkward teenager 
And so, yeah, I think Nick Robinson, if he, if he gets a role in this movie, I think, uh, I think, I think we're looking at a very good, well-rounded cast so far, as far as like the kids are concerned. Right. Right. So, um, let's, I don't know. Do you guys have any more thoughts about Jurassic Park four? I don't know. Well, I mean, what, what exactly, what was, what was kind of the, didn't you detail like kind of the synopsis of yes, this? They're going to go back to Isla Nublar, which is the first original island that they went to in the first film. Now it's right. a fully functional, like the rumor was that it was a fully functional park that's actually been in operation for a few years. And they've okay. kind of turned it into like a SeaWorld type uh, event where you can go and watch like they've even got like some of the underwater dinosaurs and they've got like this huge you know one of those huge uh, underwater dinosaurs that like jumps up out of the water and eats a great white shark right you know like it's a like it's a like it's a small tuna you know uh, and uh, and they they've got I guess there's different dinosaurs that they've trained to do tricks and things like that so it's it's just like a theme park and until you know something goes crazy and then the dinosaurs get loose from the park again man I'm, I'm pretty excited about this yeah I, I I hope that they uh, – I, I hope it lives up to what I'm thinking in my head, yes. you know, in, in yes. other words. And I, I really want that experience that I had when I first saw it. Man, that was one of the few movies I saw like the second day. I saw it once and then I'm like, I got to go back. Right. I need to go yeah. back to Jurassic Park. I need to fucking see that again. I think I cried at the end. I, I don't know why, but the damn T-Rex was like yelling and stuff and I got teary-eyed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was amazing. So yeah, I want that experience again. I hope I hope it lives up to it. I think I cried when they first showed like that first panoramic view of all the dinosaurs, you know, around that lake. That, yeah, yeah. And I was too. just like, yeah. wow, wow, unbelievable. And it Be- looked- before superheroes and comics, it yeah. was dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, dude. 1993, man, that was crazy. If you were around during that time and were able to see that in the theater, that was another one of those movies that kind of like just changed everything. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was white knuckle while you were watching those ripples in that water. You know, you were just shaking with what was going to happen next. Well, yeah. That's one of those movies like you knew it was going to be dinosaurs. And I remember like before the movie came out, before they had any images or anything like that in, you know, Entertainment Weekly or anything, they're like the teaser poster was just the front of the park, that door that said Jurassic Park and the door was closed. It wasn't open. Yeah. So you didn't know what's on the other side. You didn't know what to expect. And man, did fucking Steven Spielberg just blow our minds when we watched that movie? Yeah. And then we had one of the best performances ever by Jeff Goldblum as, <laughs> as Dr. Malcolm, fucking Chaos Theory. Right. Fantastic. And I, he yeah. better come back for this. You know, it's like I'm not a huge like advocate of like, oh, they got to come back, you know, every time. But, you know, like it's weird how, you know, how, how much fucked up shit happens to John McClane in these Die Hard movies. Can't that guy just have like an evening at home where he's just eating cereal <laughs> on his fucking couch? You know what I mean? It's like every, every week this guy's involved in some kind of terrorist thing. You know, it's right. like. You have a normal Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know what makes sense is Dr. Malcolm's like, fuck Isla Nublar. I'm never going back there. Right. That's yeah. what makes sense. But you know, the, there's the part of me that just like, no, I want to see more Dr. Malcolm. Yeah, absolutely. They totally stripped his character in that second film too. Yeah, yeah. They made them all. Oh, I love the kids. <laughs> right. 
But I, I still liked them. I still had fun with those movies. But yeah, nowhere near as good or what it should be. And I think this one sounds like it's going to be what it should be. Right. Yeah. If, if they do what what I first heard that they were possibly going to do, I think this film could succeed. And it's going to be filmed in complete 3D. So that's going to blow your mind. Fantastic. So it's not going to be post-converted, Jake. <laughs> um, hey guys, I saw this story on the internet and I thought it was really charming and funny. Um, every summer from the ages of 11 to 18, Chris Strompolis and Eric Zala would act out a shot for shot remake of the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> costing only $5,000 to make. In 1989, it was shown to an audience in Mississippi, and by 2003, the movie found its way to Steven Spielberg. Wow. Now, Napoleon Dynamite producer Jeremy Kuhn has optioned for the 2012 book, Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made by Alan Eisenstock, Zala, and Strompolis, and he wants to turn it into two films. The first will be a documentary telling the boys' story, while the second will look toward building the foundation of a feature narrative version. Um, in talking with Deadline, he had this to say about it. I thought the movie was an urban myth, but when I saw it, from a filmmaker perspective, it was more inspiring than any movie I'd ever seen. These, wow. these kids had done something ridiculous and impossible, and the last time I had the experience of a movie being made because it was sheer fun was when I'd seen Kill Bill. I went in feeling cynical, but there was no cynicism in these kids. They did the movie because they loved it. It had its big premiere, and then it sat on a shelf. He also talked about the production of the fan-made movie, he said they shot Nepal, the Nepal bar scene in Eric's basement and, <laughs> and lit the whole thing on fire. His, oh, his mom saw what they'd done and she was not having any more of that. They had to get an adult, an extra in the original George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, who was less responsible than they were. The scene that got me the most was this. One of the kids learned everything about special effects and did a mold face on Eric so they could recreate Belog's face as it melts after he opens the arc. Awesome. They did it with plaster. They put the ball in Eric's mouth so he would appear to be screaming. Five minutes in, Eric starts sweating and he can't hear or speak. They used construction plaster, which gets hot when it hardens. And they couldn't break the mold. His mother, <laughs> his mother comes down to see them trying to cut through it with a hacksaw. <laughs> the hospital finally got, got it off with a cast saw, carefully working around his head with this little circular saw to free him. The plaster oh ripped. God. The plaster ripped out his eyebrows and every eyelash on this poor kid. Oh. He had to pencil. <laughs> he had to pencil on some eyebrows to go back to school. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> um. Their first Marion in the movie, um, a blonde, moved to Alaska, and all of her scenes had to be reshot. They had no monkey to replace the one that gave the Nazi salute and ate the bad date. Yeah. The, the, ate the bad date and then died. So they used Chris's dog. They tied a spring to his paw so he would salute. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love it. I love it. Um, there's a book trailer online for this if you wanted to search that out. And the entire one hour and 40 minute movie that the kids made is also available online to watch as well. Awesome. I want to watch that. I want to watch it too. I want to watch that tonight. Um, yeah. I thought that was cool. I just wanted to share that with you guys and share it with our listeners. I thought it was pretty charming. 
Fuck. I mean, I'm sure all you guys like reenacted scenes from that when you were kids. I mean, I did too. It was just, yeah, it was one of those movies that made you happy, you know, like to be an adventurous boy, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And Indiana it, Jones was kind of that thing for me. This is like, these guys are like the real kids from su- the movie Super 8. Like, they really, you know, the Super 8 movie where they tr- right. did yeah. the zombie movie. Like, in real life, this is these kids did it, you know? That's they, awesome. It's a shot for shot of the actual movie, and I, I'm going to watch it. So. Absolutely, yeah. Now, this story, it came out of left field today. Um, Tom Hanks blew my oh. fucking mind today when I read this. Uh, Me too. Uh, in an interview with Showbiz 411, he revealed he'd love to be in a superhero movie. Whoa. He said, they don't ask me, man. I keep trying. Come on. I can do it. I can do it. Even let me play a bad guy. Let me play the bad guy against Batman. I'll do anything. Call me. They've never asked. What do I got to do? God, I want to throw a shield at somebody. <laughs> I want that. And I don't want to play the guy in the suit who tells the superheroes what's going on. I don't want to be that guy. Well, you know, Batman, Captain America, Iron Man, here's 